This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back to A Sharper Life. I am your host, Nikki Sharp. And today I am really excited to be talking to you. So I am getting married in three weeks and it's kind of mind blowing in a sense to me because it's, I was not one of those girls that, you know, grew up and thought about the prince and, you know, the Cinderella fairy tale. So for me, it's more like, wow, I I can't believe we've been planning this wedding for almost a year and a half. And in three weeks, I get to say I do to the man of my dreams in front of friends and family in Capri, Italy. And so today I wanted to talk about a subject that nobody talks about. And it's really strange to me being engaged for the past year. Everyone talks about wedding planning. Everyone talks about finding the dress and you may or may not cry, which I didn't cry by the way, when I found my dress. Um, and I'm going to also do another podcast of like unconventional things that, that we did for this wedding, but nobody talks about the path to the altar or the road to the altar and the spiritual side and the emotional side of what's going to come up for you, your partner, for everyone. And I wanted to do this podcast episode because people think that, oh my God, once you get engaged, it is, it's the end all be all. And then you get married and you plan a wedding. And in actuality, this past year of being engaged has brought about the biggest challenges for my partner and I. We've had the the biggest fights, the most crunchy moments. It's brought up stuff with my friends, with family, with his friends, with just about everyone. And there's also been a lot of healing that has happened. And so I wanted to dedicate an entire episode to what I have personally experienced on the road to the altar and things that I wish I knew when I got engaged and started planning a wedding. Because I swear when you Google, you know, getting engaged, wedding planning, just nobody talks about all of these things that are going to come up. And so I'm going to preface this by saying, this is my first wedding. And some people might be like, okay, well, that's cool. No one cares. But what I mean by that is this is my first wedding I've ever been to, aside from one that I was a flower girl at seven years old. And I don't remember anything other than my velvet dress. So I have never been to a wedding before, believe it or not. And people are like, how is that possible? And it's possible because I'm an only child. All of my cousins live in the UK. The pandemic happened. So one of my cousins had a baby and they're engaged, but they still haven't gotten married. Another cousin was engaged and they tried to replan their wedding for three years and ended up breaking up. And I know a lot of couples that that happened. Um, Never got engaged before myself. A lot of my friends had already gotten married before I met them and we became friends. A lot of my other friends have not become engaged yet. And so this is my wedding where I say I do. And I say my vows to my fiance is literally the first wedding I will be going to. And what's pretty cool about that is that the only thing I have to compare it to is what my fiance has told me about. And also what I've seen in movies, which means that I'm not going to really take that as a baseline. So I've gotten to just plan a wedding based on things that I think will be fun and cool and And also, I don't have a lot of, I think, the expectations that quite a few people have when it comes to weddings and and planning. So I just want to share that because a lot of these things that are coming up, I 
also it being my first wedding, I had no understanding of like how much drama can happen in the path to the altar. And what I find really interesting about it is, let's say a wedding and an engagement brings up everyone's shit. It's projections of failed relationships that others, you know, it triggers them. People get triggered that you're doing better than them subconsciously and either secretly want to sabotage you or they don't like the person they think you're becoming with your partner. It triggers people who feel like they deserve a more important role. So, you know, like if someone is not the maid of honor or someone's not the best man or they didn't get invited to something or X, Y, Z. And I'm not just saying this about my wedding, but I'm saying in general, based on talking to people, families get in fights. And, you know, if you don't invite everyone, and then sometimes brides feel obligated that they need to invite absolutely everyone. And so what I have learned is that being engaged, it literally triggers just about everyone and it brings up everyone's stuff. And it also is the best healing modality to heal and make better certain relationships. So I'll get into that as well. And the other thing that I noticed is that friends and family, they want the best for you. They really do. I think everyone at the end of the day is doing the best they can with what they know now. And we both, my fiance and I have experienced people from both of our lives wanting the best for us, but also projecting their stuff onto our life when it's they're projecting something based on their life and how they do things. And it's a limited perception because they don't know us. They're not around us all the time. And so the advice that we have been given by people, it doesn't really matter, for example, in this sense. And I understand a lot of it came with good intention, but it's like, at the end of the day, you're not with us 24 seven. So it's just, it's brought up a lot. And so I'm just going to go over some some things that I've learned from this, things that people have told me. And it's just a little bit more of a a conversation I want to have because I honest to God wish that someone had done a podcast like this or blog post on all of this sort of stuff, because the wedding planning itself is so much stress and also so much fun. But one of the interesting things is that during a few months ago, it was kind of the crunchiest time for my fiance and I, and I started talking to close friends, but various friends. And I learned that leading up to the wedding and the closer that one gets to it, that's where couples apparently have their biggest fights. And I had no idea. Had I known that I would have been like, oh, I'm not alone in this. And there's a reason why I believe that this is happening because your sense of identity is changing. So you're literally stepping into a new pair of shoes. And If you listen to the one podcast episode, I talk about leaving the crab shell and like how snakes, you know, shed their skin. And for the crabs, they, they literally go into a new shell. And that is what I have learned to be the goddamn truth really about marriage, about going into this is that you're having to let go this sense of self, which is like, for me, it's been the, I'm self-reliant. I can do everything by myself. I don't need a man. I don't need someone to like save me. I've already done all that inner work. But it also means that I have had these walls of the ultimately letting go. And we've explored those different subjects. But for my fiance too, it's like he's learning and we both learned that 
stepping into marriage is you're literally stepping into a new pair of shoes. And it's like, you don't know what they look like. They're going to be too big for you. They're probably not going to be comfortable when you get there because you need to grow into them. But you start to realize that your old pair of shoes don't fit as well. And they're starting to feel too small. And when they feel too small, it's like, you're ready. You want to go. But it's that fear that sets us back from allowing ourselves just to like jump straight in. And we, we talked about that with the spiritual onion. So I'm going to get into some storytelling and, and experiences that I've had. But one of the interesting things that my maid of honor, my amazing maid of honor told me when I asked her to be this role was she said, expect the unexpected, expect the unexpected. And oh my goodness, it is true. Everything that I couldn't even possibly fathom to expect has happened and then some. And and like it's been comical to the point of the things coming up. And so one of the big lessons that's come up for me is that planning a wedding is, is hard no matter what. And if you don't have a wedding planner, I commend you so much. We got a wedding planner in March 2020. And we planned our wedding for July, 2022. So, and if you listen to uh, last week's episode, I talk about where we got engaged before, or I mean, we started planning our wedding before we were actually engaged. And what I find so interesting about this is that we have this amazing wedding planner and they're from Italy and I love them. And so we have our, the one woman who's helping us with everything, but the Italians do things very differently than the Americans. And they last year they were getting all caught up with all the pandemic weddings that got canceled and rescheduled. So they were slammed busy. So not only that, but then once they kind of leave wedding season, they go into holiday season. And Europeans really take holidays seriously, unlike Americans who barely take holiday or they're you know too scared to take time off. And so then they went into holiday mode where, and especially for Capri, the whole island just shuts down because it's cold. They don't have tourists. And then as soon as they open up, it's wedding season and tourist season again. So like, I have certain questions that I've been asking my wedding planner for literally one year and I still don't have the answers. And our wedding is in three weeks. And I'm like, okay, that's fun. But that being said, if like dealing with vendors is interesting and it's a lot and all the different payments and this and that. And so it has been one of the greatest lessons of letting go of control for me. So the planning the wedding has just been one thing. And now that we're just a few weeks out, it's like all the last little details of, you know, getting the menus printed. Okay, well, I need to get the answer for my question that I've been asking for a year before I can print the menus. Okay, getting, you know, getting people to commit to a wedding, either yes or no, is like mind-bogglingly difficult. And it's like been the most interesting thing for me that Three weeks out, we still have a few people that are like, yeah, maybe I think I'm going to come. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to count that as a no, right? Because you don't want to push people. And you also you know, have to respect like this is a destination wedding and not everyone's going to have the finances, things come up. And so it's also just been a lesson in letting go of control in the sense of people are not going to commit right away. And you're going to have to chase people like over and over and over. And it's going to get frustrating and stressful. And like that in of itself, the getting people just to say yes or no was probably the, the most stressful part of the whole wedding planning for me. And 
if you guys want, I'm happy to do an episode on just all the wedding planning tips and things that I learned. If you guys would like, you can DM me at Nikki Sharp if that's of interest. But one of the big things that happened through this as we're stepping into this new pair of shoes, and as my maid of honor said, expect the unexpected, we had on both sides of, you know, from his side, from my side, like we luckily didn't really run into the family drama. And I know that that can happen. And, you know, the mother-in-law stuff, um, unfortunately, my, my fiance's mother passed a few years ago, but outside of, and like, here's the interesting thing too, is I haven't met his parents yet. Well, his, his father and he, he remarried. So his wife and my fiance hasn't met my father or his new wife. He's, he's met my mom and stepdad. But that was because of the pandemic. So he had to ask, he didn't have to, he chose to ask for permission from my mother who he had met, but my father who he'd never met. And one of the funny parts was he had texted my father saying, you know, hi, hi, Alec. This is, you know, Nikki's boyfriend at the time. Um, you know, there's something I'd like to ask you. My dad, you know, calls me immediately. He's like, what, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? He just missed it. And like, oh my God, like it was so cute. But anyways, we. Luckily, didn't run into any of the family stuff, but we did run into friends inserting themselves into just various parts. We also ran into friends choosing to exit our lives and decide not to come to the wedding. And I really learned through this process that those who are meant to be with you going into this new role or this new crab shell or these new pair of shoes are going to be with you and they're going to commit. And those who are not ready or willing or wanting to be with you on this next stage are not, and they might drop out. And although it's hard to lose a friend, I've also realized that through this process, both of us have not quote unquote, like lost friends in the sense, but like people who just didn't commit. And then we kept following up and you just start to realize there's a difference in values. And you learn so much as a couple together. Um, I want to go into this thing, the social settings, because we had one of our biggest fights over the fact that we met during the pandemic and we didn't travel. He didn't really meet my friends. I didn't really meet his. He has groups of friends. I have more like dispersed friends as individuals and they can all come together, but I don't have like a group per se, whereas he has groups. And we had challenges meeting the groups for the first time a year ago because we had not figured out our values as a couple and we had not figured out our strengths and our weaknesses. And, you know, everyone was just coming out of the pandemic. So there were all of these things being mixed in. And what ended up happening, the blessing in disguise, although we fought about it and we did see a therapist and I highly recommend doing this. It was actually something I told him when we got engaged that I said, leading up to the wedding, it's really important that we go see a therapist because I want to just make sure that we have a solid foundation to be husband and wife. And it's like weird. That sounds like so crazy to me to, <laughs> to even say that. But we discussed this and what we found out is that every couple has a social dynamic where there's weaknesses and strengths and each person has their strength and weakness. So for example, my strength is that I can make the atmosphere, like I'm, a, I'm an experienced curator and I'm a community builder. And so I know how to, you know, create the perfect lighting or like sometimes we would go out and I would say, you know, can we actually sit at a different table? 
my fiance would be like, why? It doesn't matter. Like I'm here to talk to you. And I'm really engaging with the servers because I worked in the service industry for like 10 plus years of my life in every position. And I know it makes the experience better when you have a good server and you connect and they give you recommendations. Whereas my fiance is like, I just want to talk to you, Nikki. Like it's just you and me. And so I would get frustrated that like he wasn't more forthcoming or more like in his masculine or like making decisions. And he got frustrated when I would sometimes, I'm not going to say be aggressive, but like if something's going wrong in the service industry, I'm just like, okay, like, let me fix it. Let me just, if service is slow, I'm like, I am so sorry. You know, can we speed this up or we need to leave or, you know, whatever it is. And that would make him uncomfortable. And I didn't realize that because I'm just so used to taking care of myself and just, I'm a problem solver at the end of the day. And it would make, so it'd make him uncomfortable and it would make me uncomfortable that he wasn't stepping up. And, you know, if we had terrible service talking to the manager, and that's just like one small example. And the other thing, like when we were with friends for him, he is a solid, stable, incredible guy. And he's literally like the stability to my craziness. So because I feel stable in this relationship, I get to like bring out all my wild sides and I get to sometimes lose my shit and freak out because I'm scared about something. Right. Or I get to like be crazy and fun and playful and like make the party. And through those, we learned that I was trying to get him to be that kind of like more fun and playful one. And for him, he doesn't allow that side. I don't want you to say allow, but like that side doesn't come out as naturally unless he feels like everyone around him is stable and secure and having a good time. Whereas for me, I'm like, I'm not going to try to control your experience because everyone's going to have the experience they're going to have. So I'm like, I'd rather try to make a nice set. It's like, let me give the example. We like to throw parties and I love to, you know, put nice lighting on for the, the theme. I always come up with a custom playlist for whatever the theme is. I love to like decorate things. I always tell people to have like, you know, certain dress ups for the parties and the themes. I always cook. And for me, I like to kind of not control, but create the experience around us so that people can come in and have whatever experience they're going to have internally as their own human beingness. For him, he doesn't really care as much about all the things and the music and the lighting and the atmosphere and how the food presentation is. He wants to know that you're okay, that if there's something he can do, he wants to make sure that you're happy. Or, you know, a great example is like, we're going on, a, we're taking people on a hike in Capri and I'm the person that like, like I charge ahead. I like walking fast. I like talking fast. I, I have lots of energy, not all the time, but when I'm with him, he balances me out so that I'm stable. So I can kind of go into that fun, chaos, playful Nikki. And so for him, like on this hike, he'll probably be the one at the back, just making sure everyone's moving along. He doesn't want anyone being left behind. Whereas I'm normally the kind of leader of things. I just like get things going. And we fought about those because we didn't realize that we were both trying to get the other person to be where we were until we had a friend. She actually explained it in a beautiful way that each couple has their strengths when it comes to social settings. And so we learned that my strength is creating the atmosphere and the experience and that he shouldn't try to control that because that's where I get my joy and fulfillment and talking to waiters and 
and all of that. And I can't get upset if he wants things to be like more stable. Like he cannot handle fighting in public and not that we really do, but like if we're having a crunchy moment, he does not want it to come out in public. He doesn't want to be seen like that. Whereas for me, I'm kind of like, you know, we're all humans, shit happens, whatever. So we had to learn that we both have these strengths. So he's the stability, the rock, the everyone, all of his friends have told me this, that he makes them feel secure when they go out. They all know that if something like shit hits the fan, they're like, we're going to him. And for me, I'm kind of the fun maker. I'm I'm the troublemaker, the instigator of fun sometimes. And that also comes with, I can get overly expressive or if I'm upset or tired, I can kind of take it a little too far. And I don't mean to, but so we've literally had to learn that we both have these strengths and weaknesses and how to balance, balance those out. And I'm like, nobody talks about this in relationships. And we didn't learn this until leading up to the wedding where it came out via some conversations with friends. And we're like, because people completely misunderstood who I am, but I also see how that's possible. I understand how that was possible. Meeting friends for the first time, especially after the pandemic for both of us was like, holy crap, like this is kind of scary. And people put their projections onto you and they mean the best when they try to help. But I really did learn like people will put their stuff on, but it's your job as the couple to work through it, to find a middle ground, to not just like to not fight and to not not fight. Like not fighting is also not good. And ask any therapist or relationship expert. So that was just one thing that I learned about our social setting superpowers. And now that we've kind of come into this equilibrium and I feel like we've gone through some of the big fights and worked through them. Now I'm like, oh, now I feel like a power couple. Now I get it because I see what strengths he brings in and I see what strengths I bring in. And then I see how we can kind of ride the wave with each other. So that's been something really interesting. Another thing that's come up for us is that the universe really tests your source of confidence. And it's almost like a video game in the sense of like the universe tests you to see how you handle that. And if you go through, you get to go to level two and level two has a bigger dragon to fight and universe sees how you handle that. And then kind of like, you know, peeling of the onion, And then there's the next challenge that comes through. And so the first time we got tested was about six months into dating. And my confidence is in my body. Me, not how I look, but how I feel my health. When I feel vibrant and energetic and I have good skin and I wake up with energy, like you can tell I have energy right now. That's my confidence. And during the first six months, we just moved in together. I got COVID and I got really sick. And my, my body was like, uh-uh, not having this. And I was all, now that I was in a stable relationship, I was also detoxing emotional stuff that was stored in my body. So if you don't know, your body holds onto emotion. So what is emotion? It's energy in motion. Emotion is energy in motion. So like, let's say you have tight shoulders and you're stressed. Well, that is just energy getting stuck in your shoulders. And so So it's not really just about the stress. It's like, where does it get held in your body? So when we first started dating, my skin started breaking out like no tomorrow. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I'm eating clean. I'm doing all the right things. I'm seeing my facialist. 
and my skin was terrible and it, I lost my confidence. And then I had candida and that was a pain in the butt. And I was getting bloated because my, my gut was not healed. And it was just, I mean, just so many things coming up. So I'd, I'd get bloated after every single meal. And so I went on, you know, all these different protocols with supplements. But what I learned was that was the universe testing me of when I lose my confidence, how do I act around him? Do I shut down? Am I still open to him? Am I still open to be vulnerable about my weaknesses? And for him, and as most guys, we talked about the spiritual onion, it's confidence in business. And his business was taking a hit. And so we didn't realize that until we, we had a conversation one day of like, oh my God, we both got tested and lost our confidence, but we managed to still love each other, to still support each other. And you know, there's a saying of real love is when the other person knows all your darkness and accepts it or accepts all those parts of you. And so I told him, I want you, not you, but like when we started dating, I was like, I want you to get to know the deepest, darkest corners of my soul that have all those cobwebs and I've been too scared to go to. And I want to start to clean them, but I need to know that you're going to love them no matter what you see coming up. And through that pain and anger and sadness and fear, so much has come up for both of us. And we've both continued to learn how to love each other unconditionally when the other one is pissing you the fuck off. And everyone gets there. It happens. But can you still love someone while they're going through their shit, while they're you know going through the trauma of whatever's coming up? And what I've learned being engaged and getting closer to the wedding is it brings up stuff that like for me, I didn't even know was there. I didn't even realize the amount of pain and trauma that I had surrounding men and being abused physically, being abused mentally, emotionally, and not, and I like, I was never raped. I was almost, and I'm really, really grateful that didn't happen to me at least. But like, I know women that go through that. And I know that there's women who they don't remember until they do plant medicine and men too. And I realized just the amount of times like modeling, I had been like guys would like walk up and grab my butt on a train or a bus. And I've had so many just like icky experiences of things like that. And I didn't realize all of those were suppressed until we were about halfway through being engaged six months into it. And all of this trauma started coming up and it started manifesting itself in deep, deep sadness and deep, deep pain and anger, a lot of anger. And I wasn't really willing to feel it. And we, you know, I did the whole episode, you must uh, feel it to heal it. It was so new and I didn't know where it was coming from. Kind of like my skin breaking out was me detoxing a lot of this stuck emotion in my body or stuck energy. And so, you know, as I kind of talk about the universe tests you. So we, we got through level one, which was the, he lost confidence in work. I lost confidence in my body. And we worked through that. We still loved each other. And then our next big test that came was how do you, how do you act in social environments? And that was a challenging one to deal with because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And we didn't know that we both had these strengths and weaknesses in, in social settings. And because of the pandemic, we had never really like been around people all that much. Like 
some of my favorite, I know I travel a lot and my life looks pretty amazing. I'm sure on the gram, but like my favorite moments, honestly, are when it's my fiance and I sitting, I like lay on him. We watch a movie, we have our cat or like we lay in bed and we both read our candles. I cuddle up. Like those are my favorite moments with this man. And we had to really focus on those and the reasons why we chose each other, because you will get tested so much and question, why am I even with this person? Like, I remember thinking at various times and talking to a friend, like, you know, God, I, I, I was so upset that the avocado throwing day, I was so upset. And I remember just thinking that I wanted to not leave per se, but I was just like, I don't know what to do. And it, it got me to a point because so much fear was coming up. And so the the next level after we got through the friend stuff was going to the most vulnerable parts of yourself. And so I got to see his, it was tested and mine was fear of abandonment and that was tested. And we had a really intense fight about it. I want to say conversation. It wasn't like a, you know, throwing that, but we had a fight about it because I was terrified deep down that if I give you all of me, you're going to leave because it's, it's what I experienced in various forms growing up and with my ex. And that is one of my biggest wounds. And so if you listen to the spiritual onion podcast, I talk about the innermost layer is fear of success. And I hit that. And my, my fiance even called it out because he listens to all my podcasts. And he said, Nikki, I think you're sabotaging yourself. And I think that you are scared of the potential success, not the potential. He said, I think you're scared of the success of this relationship. And I was like, you're right. You are absolutely right. And this is the stuff that I don't share on Instagram because I don't know how to write all of this in a caption, but I just want to be honest with you that this is the stuff that has happened. I'm sure it's different for other people, but I'm a very conscious, spiritual human being. He is as well. And so some people might not go through all of this or to this depth, but the more conscious you are and the more aware, the more you're going to see things like this. And at least like, I can only imagine if this sort of stuff was taught in school or, you know, about relationships, people wouldn't just rush to get married. And I think that's really important for us to like acknowledge that you're going to go through some of your biggest fights leading to the altar at the same time. People dropped out and those who are not meant to be are not meant to be in, in my life going forward and in his life and in our life as a joint couple. And we've also made some amazing new friends now that we're this more connected unit. And one cute thing that happened was he started wearing the aura ring, which, which tracks your sleep and all of that. And so, you know, women wear your engagement ring, men typically don't. So he started wearing the aura ring and you can either wear it on your index finger or your ring finger. And for him, it actually was just more comfortable on the left ring finger. And I secretly loved it. And I remember texting my, my bridesmaids group and I was, and I sent a photo of us holding hands and I, and I didn't tell him this yet. I was like, I love this. It actually makes me feel really good. But at the same time, all of these things and, and, you know, fear of abandonment and fear of success were coming up. and what I really learned was stepping into this new pair of shoes. It's going to challenge your identity and everything you know to be true about yourself. And I also started getting to a point of like, 
doing our wedding and planning it. I'm like, what? I don't want to do this. Something old, something new, something blue. I'm like, I don't, that doesn't resonate with me. So we created our own traditions that we're doing. Like, as I mentioned, his mother passed and I'm putting a little, this beautiful little photo of her on my bouquet. And I, I remember sending that to him and I said, are you okay if I do that? And he was touched that I would even think about that. So that's more meaningful to me than this, you know, something old, something blue. And so the important thing too, that I learned is you have to create the wedding for yourself. You have to be willing to set boundaries. Like I remember my dad came to me and he was upset that I didn't invite certain family members. And I'm like, dad, I haven't talked to them in like five, 10 years. And, and he was like, well, you know, you're causing a rift between the family. And I go, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But if you would like them to come, here's the price. And if you'd like to pay, they can come end of discussion. Right. And so we invited people that we wanted to have their celebrate with. And it was such a special thing going into this of we've done our bachelor and bachelorette parties. And like, you guys know, I got super triggered. I talked about it in the avocado throwing, feel it to heal it. And, and that was like, once again, just the fear of not feeling enough or that other people were more important. And it's been my journey to work through so many of these things that I didn't even know were going to come up. At the same time, the path to the altar has helped both of us to heal and mend and improve certain relationships. Like the relationships I have with my parents and my step-parents has literally never been better. And I am so grateful that I'm going into marriage with the most amazing man. I cannot wait until I get to say I do with him because we've gone through these challenges, because we've shown up and loved each other unconditionally, even when we wanted to kill each other. Okay, I don't want to say kill, but you get what I'm saying. Even in those hard, sticky moments, and what it's done is it allowed me to have deep, deep conversations with my mother about things that I maybe wouldn't have had. And I've never felt closer to my mom now. And we had a, a challenging relationship growing up, like not going to lie. It's, it was not easy. And me and my father, the fact, like, I remember I got so triggered. He came to me and he's like, wait, do I have to walk you down the aisle? And I'm like, uh, I, yeah, I think so. You should, but you don't have to because, you know, we're writing our own rules. And then he was like, do I have to give a speech? And I, I was so triggered being like, what do you mean? Do I have to, shouldn't you feel honored to? But then I realized, well, my parents didn't do a wedding. I don't think they've really been to weddings either. And, and I was like, actually, Nikki, why don't you change your standpoint and just say, if you'd like to, I would love it. And if you don't feel comfortable, no problem. And now my dad has like started asking me all these questions of like my journey of, you know, what I've been working and all the, and I'm like, wow, he's like really putting effort into this. And, and I realized too, like with my mom, she, like, she did not come to any of the dress stuff with me and that was fine. But then she started getting into finding her dresses for the wedding. And I realized that so much healing has happened from me to my parents within myself. I've been able to bring to light, right? Bring to light the things I didn't even know were hiding under the surface. Like a lot of the trauma that I went through as a, as a child and growing up and modeling. And just, as I mentioned, like women not liking me and being triggered and guys lying about things like with me and doing not so kind things and now feeling in a safe relationship and all the shit that it, that's brought up. So I kind of end this with, I begin it and end it with the path to the altar 
if you allow it to, will bring up the best, the worst, the ugly, and the divine. And I wish that more people talked about that. And I wish that more people knew about it. And I wish, I just wish that we had these conversations. So with that, I'm getting married in three weeks and I'm like tearing up a little bit like, oh my God, I'm like getting married in three weeks. It's crazy. It's so special. And it's been such a journey. And I think the big thing for me, like you can hear, I'm, I'm kind of tearing up. Like the big thing for me of why this means so much is because working through these challenges together and knowing that someone has your back in those deepest, deepest, darkest moments and you have their back and you want the best for them and they want the best for you. And you're willing to work through the biggest triggers and getting to, you know, the fear of abandonment and these, these hardcore challenges that we all face. It's so beautiful. And I've never felt my heart being so expansive, not just for my fiance, but for all of you, for everyone that's like been support, God, I'm going to like start crying you guys, but like everyone who's been so supportive during this journey and the friends who are there and my bridesmaids and like his friends and family and like everyone on Instagram who, who's like been with me and giving me just advice and love and encouragement. And I just want to say thank you because it hasn't gone unnoticed. And not only has it not gone unnoticed, it's really helped me through some challenging times knowing that we're all here together and we're all doing this. And I feel like I'm getting married, like with you all by my side. So yeah, I get married in three weeks and thank you for listening to this episode. I'd love to hear your feedback and until next week, here's to a sharper life.